Well, we've been sharing with you um, about the importance of sharing your faith, yeah. looking out uh, at the people around you, the people in your sphere of influence across your path uh, that don't know God, that are far from God. Maybe they once walked with God. Maybe they've never given their life to Christ. And uh, asking the Lord, we've been talking about the need to pray and ask the Lord for opportunities mm -hmm. for us to begin to find ways to share our faith, maybe do an act of kindness, pray with somebody, offer to prayer. Can I pray with you for something if you, can, if you see that they're going through a hard time? And invite them to church. Ultimately, an invite to church uh, is really what they need because we talked about that too some weeks ago, that sheep, the Bible calls us all like sheep that need a shepherd, that we all need to come under uh, the shepherdship of God. But of the local church, pastors are like under shepherds. So we all need a flock to belong to. And so invite somebody uh, to church, especially now it's, it's Easter. It's, an, it's a wonderful opportunity to do that. Um, let's just pray before we begin. Father, we just dedicate this time to you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together, Lord, in peaceful times and places. And I just thank you for uh, this moment, Lord, for such a time as this. You've put us in the earth. We can never get this day back. And so we, we offer you this time wholeheartedly in our mind, our thoughts. And, Father, as we, we open up your word, I pray, Father, that they hear your voice, that they're not just hearing the voice of two mm -hmm. people standing up here speaking. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. You're the revealer of truth. You're our helper. You're our guide. And this message, Lord, today that you helped us to prepare about compelling people to come. You want us to go into all the world. Help us to be co-laborers with you. We do want to be your hands, your feet, your heart, your voice to the people in the earth. And so we're asking you, Holy Spirit, for awareness in the days to come. All the opportunities that we have in front of us to share your love, to share the hope, to share the truth that we know that we found in you. We worship you and thank you, Father, for this time. Teach us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the title of the message today is to go and compel them to come. Go in all the world. This is what Jesus told us to do and compel people to come. And there is just something about sharing your faith. If you've ever done that, you begin to share your faith with somebody and you see how those words that you're using and the testimony that, that, you, that you share with them changes a person's heart. There's, there's something energizing about it. Because it keeps our heart ignited to the heart of God. Yeah. God cares about the lost. We've been talking about that for several weeks. And so when we ignite our heart with his heart and we start to talk to people and we see them as somebody that God cares about, and then they begin to respond, there's something exciting about it. How many of you can say, yeah, that's happened to you in your life? Mm -hmm. There's just nothing uh, that rivals the joy that comes from leading a person to Christ or just leading a person closer, one step closer to knowing Jesus. Yeah. So think about whenever uh, somebody here in this service, we, we generally always give an altar call at the end of the service. And when someone responds, their heart responds, and they say that prayer of salvation. What usually happens at the end of that prayer in the church? There's this like, yay, this clapping, right? It seems to be just spontaneous. And that really is the joy that happens in heaven. Scripture yes. says there's rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents and comes home 
That's how they, they call it. You're coming home to their father where they originally always belonged. And so there's just a joy that comes from it when a lost person comes home. Easter's next weekend. It's an exciting week, really, when you begin to read Scripture and you see what the Lord has done for us in the resurrection life of Christ. Yes. 70%, the uh, statistics say 70% of people that are unchurched have never even been invited to church in their whole life. That's a lot of people yes. that are waiting for an invitation. 70% of people that are unchurched have never been invited to church in their whole life. So we all need to get going and do some kingdom work. Come on. We cannot assume that people are not interested. That's really easy to do. Because when you look out of the world and it looks dark and you listen mm -hmm. to the news, you tend to think, and I know we, we make that same mistake, like mm -hmm. nobody's interested, but people are interested. Yes. Jesus said the fields are white unto harvest. And uh, we're going to have some fun stuff going on for the kids over in mile one. So if you invite somebody and they have children in their family, great. The kids the are going to have a fun time over there in mile one. All the better. So again, we're talking today about go, compel them compel them to come. And when you look out over the world, it's easy to see that the world is out of control. What's the word that we want to use? Lost. <laughs> Lost. <laughs> and 80%, these are some statistics, 80% of people that are unchurched would agree if you ask them, is the world out of control? 80% would say, yeah, I think it is. And I believe they're hoping for the knowledge that there's a God who can make some sense out mm -hmm. of the chaos and looking for somebody to tell them. It's like you and me, somebody to share something about the hope that we have. Right. But the truth is, here's another statistic, and this is really shocking, less than 1% of Christians are act actively sharing their faith. Less than 1%. Wait, how much did I say? Yeah. Less than 1%. Less than 1%? <laughs> We're not obeying the command of the Lord to go into all the world, preach the gospel, because that's not just limited to people standing in a pulpit preaching the gospel. You could preach the gospel anywhere in your sphere of influence yeah, by right. just sharing your faith as a way of preaching the gospel and telling the good news. And so God mandated all of us to go into the world. We all have beautiful feet. We talked about that last <laughs> week, right? We're the ones who are going to be his hands, his feet, his heart, his voice to the lost in the world that need to hear. And we can't again think that people aren't interested. And we shared one week a few weeks ago on what's at stake. Hell's at stake. Right. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, as they say. And so the clock is ticking. And there's no nothing more rewarding that you will find in your life That's and more it. inspiring to know that God is using you to help bring a person just one step closer to knowing Jesus. Yeah. Remember we said this is teamwork. Mm -hmm. It yes. takes several interactions with Christians 10 often, to 20. 10 to 20, yeah. before someone is even willing sometimes to listen or to come to church or to give their life to Christ. And life really, when it, you look out, it's all about redemption. 
Because when life gets hard, people sometimes say, well, I just need a break. I just need <laughs> to get away. I just, you know, leave me alone for a little bit. But how many of you found that that's just not enough? <laughs> a little break, a little vacation. So instead of just a momentary break from the madness mm. of everything around us, redemption, what yes. we find in Christ, redemption is the promise to deliver us from, from the madness, so to speak, the sin and corruption in the world that brings shame, you know, that brings the heaviness, that destroys the way we think, destroys the perception of ourselves. Yeah. That's redemption. That's what God came to give us. God's a master at taking Amen. broken, sinful people and bringing wholeness into our life, opening up our eyes to see the whole reason why we are in the earth. Mm -hmm. It's just a startling truth. When you think about God Almighty, who he is, he created everything, created the whole universe, put it all into motion. And then he created us. Why? With the intention for us to be his friends for all eternity. Don't let that just go over your head. <laughs> Sons and daughters of God. Jeez. I mean, it's, a, it's an astounding thing. And Jesus came. This is why he came and died for us, to make that possible. That's right. That was his mission in the earth, to bring us back to the Father, that we could have a relationship with a heavenly Father. He doesn't want anybody to miss out on it. That's right. <laughs> Luke 19.10, this is up on the screen. If you brought your Bible, you can turn there and follow along, but it's up there on the PowerPoint. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn That's right. the world. He came to save the world. That's the mission of the age that we're in. Greater love, it says, has no man than this, than you would lay down your life for your friend that's what he did for us. He laid his life down so that we could be his friends and we could then become even greater than what a friendship is, a son or daughter. That's yeah. very intimate. You know, God has given us this brief time on the earth to help us, to give us time to learn of him. I mean, the true knowledge of him because people make up their own God all the time. You know, but this is why he preserved this word of his down through the ages so that we get the true picture of who he is. You know, this is so that we can learn of him. And this is his desire, that we know him, that we actually know him, and that we accept him as our Lord and Savior. This is the, this is, he is the Savior of the world. There's nobody that's excluded. Yes, heaven is very exclusive. However, everybody is invited. This is what we have to understand. And then as we learn of him, what he wants us to do is live our lives according to his will and according to his purpose. You know, because we've all, we've all seen, just like the scripture says, we all like sheep have gone our own way. Yeah. And thank God we have the Bible because we can learn of him. And then we thought, oh man, that's not how I was thinking. This is how God thinks, and so therefore I'm going to dump my thinking and I'm going to accept his thinking. Yeah. Now that's actually the mission of this church is to actually help people to know God and help them to find purpose. Not your purpose, his purpose for your life. Yeah. There's a big difference in that. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to try to find their purpose. Yeah. 
Well, I want to find his purpose for my life. Yeah. And then he wants us to experience life. He wants us to experience his life, his re recreated life, his resurrection life. This is what he wants us to do, this life. If we follow his word, if we accept his word and we start to live by his word, this will cause us to have an overcoming life. This is what he wants us to do. The victory he gained at the cross, he gave it back to us because he wants us to live that kind of life. Yeah. And then he wants us <laughs> to take as many people with us as possible. <laughs> you know, really, the truth is, 100 years from now, 100 years from now, the only thing that's really going to matter is, did I live my life for him? Yeah. Did I follow his purpose for my life? Yeah. He, he not only calls us to come to him, but he also calls us to go for him. Yeah. It, it's a two-way thing. It's not just coming to find a, uh, this new life in Christ, but it's now going out to tell other people about this new life that we found in Christ. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> this is what's so really great, because if he's asking us to do something, he's empowered us to do it. Amen. Amen. He's empowered us to do it. And you see, sharing our faith is not an option. It's actually a command. And when we see the darkness growing all around us, you know, it's become more and more urgent that we share the truth, that we bring light to darkness. There's a Lutheran church in Arkansas that's offering a transition closet. Yeah, a transition closet where guys who want to dress up like girls can come in there and dress up like girls. So they have a, a kid. It's a ministry. It's, it's a ministry. Their ministry and, and the, the local public school heard about it. And so they thought it was a great idea and they started to do it too. And they have, this same church has what they call a, a summer queer camp for anybody who identifies with the LGBTQ. Yeah. And have you noticed the, the new thing is to push, uh, change the name uh, 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 the label of pedophilia, it, it's all now, they're changing that. So it doesn't sound so alarming. They want to call it MAP. Huh? Yeah, minor attracted person. This, this is yeah. to... This is, this, is, this is, no, this is... Yeah. This is really happening right no, now. This is happening. Uh, they want to dull down the horror that's behind it. They they want to get rid of the the stigma behind it. They want to groom kids to participate in deviant sexual behavior. This is happening now in the United States, kindergarten and first grade. They're they're new curriculums. They're learning about uh, sexual parts of your body. Kindergarten, first grade. Yeah, the third graders are are. Uh, they are asked if they are comfortable with their body parts. Fourth graders are learning the mechanics of sex. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. This is the, this is the world you live in. As Christians, we cannot bury our head in the sand. This world needs your light to shine. You are going to be able to minister to people that are trying to come out of this. Yes. 
the world is trying to tell them, no, you want to stay in this. And there are many people that are involved with this that don't like it and want to come out. They want to get free. And you and I have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. And he empowers these people to break free of this. Because this is satanic. Library. Not, not Butler Public Library, but they have Drag Queen Story Hour. <laughs> The, all the reason behind this is so that kids at a really young age have a healthy view of sex. This kind of thinking is incomprehensible, isn't it? But yeah. it's, it's being shoved in your face and my face all along. This is why, parents, you need to know what the people you're voting in at school board stand for. Yeah. You need to know what the school that you're sending your kids to you need to know what they're teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And there are places all over the country that try to tell you that a parent has no right to know what they're de- being taught. It's happening right here, right now, in the United States of America, folks. And Jesus says this. Write it down. Mark chapter 9, verse 42. Jesus said this. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble... It would be better for him if he had a heavy millstone around his neck and been cast into the sea. So Jesus is all for capital punishment. I want you to understand that. Jesus is for capital punishment. Is this not capital punishment right here, folks? Yeah, let's just don't pretend. Let's don't make up our own Jesus. Let's find out what he says and this find out. Let's learn of him. He can't stand this kind of perversion. And he's going to come and set it all right. But what we need to do is we need to compel them to come in and understand who the real Jesus of the Bible is. You know, consider the craziness of this culture. Listen, you and I need to be just as bold in our testimony about Jesus. What has he done for you? What has he done for you? That's all you need to say. You don't have to know all the answers of the Bible. Nobody can dispute your testimony because it's yours. (laughs) Jesus wants you to be salt and light wherever you go. Doesn't matter where you go, you're to represent him no matter where you are, no matter what the circumstances are, by your words and your actions. Both. So so turn turn to Mark. Uh, chapter 12, verse 30. We do not have this up on the PowerPoint. Um, Mark, chapter 12, verse 30. You know, when you think about the craziness of the world, there are people, people's eternity are hanging the balance yeah. at the end of all of that. And so this is why we, we keep going on about how important it is that we let our light shine we become salt and light in a dark place, in a corrupting place. And we need to care about the people that are lost and on their way to hell. Yes. Jesus cares about them. He knew the world would get crazier and darker as time went on, but that did not stop his desire for us to go into all the world and be the salt and light. So Mark 12, 30 says this, when Jesus was asked what 
is the greatest commandment. This was his answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mm -hmm. all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. What is he saying here? Of course, we know loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We get that. But then he said the second is like it. Love your neighbor there as you yourself. So my love for God, yes, we all get that. But it's expressed in my love for people because God loves people. <laughs> Even lost, broken, sinful people, God's made a way for them to come free yes. of their sin and walk with him and know him. And so here's how this works. Like when we love our neighbor, and that your neighbor could be anybody within the sphere of your influence. It doesn't have to be literally your next door neighbor, but you could say anybody that my life comes within the sphere of influence. When I love them as I love myself, if I'm concerned about my salvation, are you concerned? Yeah. Were you concerned by your salvation? Then I should be every bit as concerned in loving them as, as their salvation. Do you ever pull into Walmart or Target? I do this all the time, or I'm standing in line, and I just look at the people in front of me, and I think this. I just think, oh, Lord, like these people, do they know you? What's going to happen? Especially when you see interactions and you sometimes watch what goes on in the aisles of Walmart or Target, and I just think, oh, God, please make yourself known to these people. That would be a good opportunity, I suppose, if I had the boldness to go up and say. <laughs> do you know Jesus, that he loves you? But I do. I mean, often I'll just pray a prayer under my breath at least. It's like, God, help these people to find the saving knowledge of you. So, like, when a person's salvation, your neighbor's salvation becomes more of a priority to you, a higher priority to you, there's a greater sensitivity to just be aware that my whole life interacts with them. Let's say it's not just a stranger on the street. Let's say it's somebody you work with that you actually have contact with, that you have some fellowship with, a friendship with. Every aspect then of my life plays a critical role of whether I'm leading them towards the knowledge of Christ and salvation or I don't care. I just say nothing. Mm. I act, maybe my, it should not be, but... People should know you're Christian. It sh you shouldn't be so silent about it that they'd say, I don't know. They've never mentioned it. They don't talk about their priorities. I have no idea. That, that ought not be mm. if we're going to be salt and light. Come on. So our life and the way we live plays a critical role in this, in the workplace, whether you're in school, uh, what you write on social media, yeah. my speech, how I talk. You know, I thought about Pastor Ben last week saying they noticed that he didn't swear. These people are looking and observing a Christian more than we think and maybe even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but my responses, how I respond yeah. to situations right. in my family life, if I'm at work, my behavior, my priorities, like saying, well, I'm going to church tomorrow. Oh, you go to church? Or do you keep this silent? These things matter. Would you like to come? Yeah. You know, remember we said that uh, sharing our faith with a, with a non-Christian to get them to come to Christ or be interested in a conversation takes 10 to 20 interactions with them, with a Christian. But we're talking good interactions. 
we want the interactions to be good. So the, the point is we want to realize that how I live my life in front of them, it needs to have some integrity. Yeah. You know, that if Come I'm a on. Christian, my actions and my behavior are giving good testimony to my life in Christ. They, they, they live a good it, way. It, it is true. Turn to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. This is such a great scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. And we do have it on PowerPoint, but this would be uh, looked at with your own eyes in your own Bible. It's, this is a really important scripture because you and I have been mandated by God himself. There's nobody that gets an exemption on this. We won't ever have an excuse on why we didn't. It says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Look what it says right here. Look at it close. God is making his appeal for salvation to others through you. Through you. Through you. And like Pastor Mamie says, if we start to think this way, we're going to become more sensitive in this. And the Holy Spirit is the one who bears witness with our spirit on what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. So if we have this in the forefront of our mind, actually taking charge of our own things of saying, I'm going to be obedient to Christ today, and I am going to be this ambassador and so when I'm looking for opportunity, that means that I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading and who is going to be the person that I'm going to speak to. Mm-hmm. And he'll give us words to say. The very words, he'll, you just jump in there and start saying, I don't even know what to say, Lord, but here goes. Yeah. And how many times do you read in the New Testament, the Bible declares, and he opened his mouth. Yeah. Peter, and he opened his mouth. And when he opened his mouth, 5,000 people came to Christ. Now, let's, let's go for that. <laughs> See, God wants to redeem people from the power of Satan and reconcile them back to himself. He is their creator. He wants his children, his lost children, found. And isn't it glad that it happened to you? It's the best thing that ever happened in your life. Amen. I mean, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Telling other people how they can establish a relationship with the God of the universe, the creator of all things, is the greatest thing a person could do on this planet. You, yeah. you don't get another shot at it in heaven. Everybody there already knows. <laughs> this is the only place. This is the only time in your life that you can tell other people about Jesus and his love for them. Yeah. And that they really do not have to go to hell. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man goes to the Father except through him. And you know, the Bible declares that there is simplicity in Christ. Simplicity in Christ. He makes it easy. I heard that the Bible is written on like a third grade level. That's pretty good, isn't it? I even get it. (laughs) Praise God. He's given us his spirit. When you surrender your life to him, he gives you his spirit, the Holy Spirit. 
you become one with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, if you don't ever think about that, you're not going to investigate that. You're not going to be sensitive to that, and you're going to be dull all your life. This is why he gave us a Bible, so that we can learn of him, that we can grow in him, that we can become sensitive, that we can be his friends. And his friends, being a friend, he's going to tell us secrets, secrets and mysteries. We're his agents in this earth. We are. Ambassadors are held responsible for honoring the highest ideas of their country or their president. In our case, our Lord, our master. Not just once or twice, 24 hours a day. It could be something as casual as eating. You might be going out to eat, and guess what would be a great witness if you sit down there, you bow your head, and you pray over your meal. I mean, you don't have to make a scene about it. Just do it in all honesty. People, just like Pastor Mamie said, people are watching you more than you think they are. Especially if they find out that you're a Christian. And most of the time, they're looking for you to stumble. But if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we know that he indwells us, then that gives us empowerment to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> you go to a sporting event, and you'll see people lose their salvation over a bad call. Yeah. <laughs> Thought you were a Christian. <laughs> Yeah, thank God there's forgiveness. <laughs> you know, it, it, this is a sad statistic, but it says 72% of unchurched people believe the church is full of hypocrites. Because I think what's happened is people are Christians on Sunday, and then Monday is a different story. Yeah. It's a 24-hour thing. It's forever, folks. And we got to start taking our responsibility serious. We are an ambassador. You don't want to be called home too early for not representing the country. <laughs> that could be bad. <laughs> So the way you live, the way I live, the way I, we act, you know, it, it says everything. Mm -hmm. It's not just a matter of, like you said, I, I own a Bible, but then right. people want to know, well, what does that all mean? And how does that translate into the life that you live? So we, we want to be moving people closer to Jesus by the way we live. Mm -hmm. Like So when they look at our lives, they're looking at, like, how do you handle pain in your life? How do you handle disappointment how do you handle things when you've been mistreated how mm -hmm. you know people are not into forgiveness these days for the most part but a christian should be working on this life of forgiveness this is really christianity 101 right. to learn because we know how much we've been forgiven we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god yes we have and so we've all received if you're a believer a child of god forgiveness for your sin and so the lord expects us to go and share forgiveness when people mess up we're not the first like to just condemn we want to help them understand how to find forgiveness and and new life 
after that. Yeah. And so they want to they want to know these. They're watching. How did you deal with COVID? Fear, things that, that come upon the world, just the craziness in the world. They're looking to see what you write on social media and how you talk at work and what you say. Mm -hmm. So we all have a calling to be salt and light in the earth. This is what Jesus said. I think we all know this. We've said this routinely, that Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, you and me. We are his Hands and feet, we're the salt and light. Right. And salt and light have a common theme between the two of them. They both have the ability to change their environment, right? You add some salt. We know salt's a preserver, right? There you add go. salt to meat, fish, it preserves, it keeps it from corrupting. Well, sin, Jesus is using this as an analogy to sin in the world. Sin corrupts people's hearts. It corrupts people's minds. It corrupts our world. And so he's saying to us to use your life influence to add some salt, sprinkle some salt around, keep it from corrupting. Yeah. Right? Christians are meant to be salt like that. So how do we do that? We have to know the truth like what Pastor C was saying. We have to read the Bible, know the truth, stand for the truth, yep. speak the truth. That's like sprinkling salt around. Sometimes people, you know, salt on a wound can be like, ow, but it can be cleansing yes. too. And actually salt does add flavor to food. It can add some flavor and good to your life when you add some salt. And then what does light do? Well, light expels darkness. You walk into <laughs> this room, we're all dark. You walk in, flick on a light, the darkness is expelled. You can see things clearer. Yes. Or it's... it's meant to bring light, like if you see darkness in the world, like our lives are meant to bring some light into the situation, like a lighthouse would be a beacon of light that would guide a ship to a safe harbor, right? Or it warns of danger, a beacon of light at a lighthouse. Yes. It directs, like I say, a ship to a safe harbor. Well, Jesus says our lives are meant to be like that. When we shine our light, and how do we do that again? We have to know truth. Yes. <laughs> truth, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. You know, he's, he's light. His word is light. So every day we're surrounded by people that are kind of, if you will, groping in darkness. Mm -hmm. They're separated from the God who loves them, wants to have a relationship with them. So God uses us as his children to bring some light into the situation. Hey, did you know this about God? Yeah. And this is how we shine like a beacon of light. Salt and light change the environment. Hallelujah. And so here's the self-test. Are you changing your environment, your sphere of influence by being salt and light? Or is your environment changing you? Because Ooh. it has the potential to go both ways. We want to be people who, we're going to come and we're going to be salt and light and we're going to change the environment yes. for good. Amen? Amen. You know, the, Jesus always uh, often used parables to let people understand that God wants a family, that God wants people to come to him, that he wants his kingdom full. He wants people to avoid hell because it's an eternal place. And after you pass here, after you breathe your last, it's over. You don't have another opportunity. 
And so let's turn to Luke chapter 14. We'll have it up on PowerPoint, but it's good to find your way through the Bible and know where things are in your own Bible. Because this is, we're going to learn of him, amen? amen? We're going to know who he is. We're not going to make things up. We're going to find out what the Bible says. This is God's word. Talks about a great feast that uh, the master of the house had uh, prepared, and uh, Jesus was speaking to the Jews of his day. And it describes how Israel was invited, uh, the first to be invited into the kingdom of God, uh, but they rejected their Messiah. Uh, they kept making excuses, putting the business of the day ahead of him, ahead of knowing him. And that, that's one thing that we don't want you to do. If you've come to this church very long, you know that we are always asking you to read the word because it's life. His words are life. Amen? Amen. They are life. They're health and healing to your bones. Praise God, and the older you get, the more you're going to need that. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, we don't want to make any excuses, do we? We don't want to put everyday life, menial, meaningless things ahead of what he, like I said before, a hundred years from now, all you're going to want to know is, did I put the things of God first? Yeah. And that's, that's where we can make that choice right now today to start putting the things of God first. Not being distracted by the things around us, but going full bore into the things of God. So as we read this, we're going we're gonna to see how uh, the offer for salvation is then uh, presented to the Gentiles. Uh, in the parable, the master sends his servants out, uh, go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Compel them. It, it, there's a sense of urgency in that, isn't there? And it's, again, it depicts Israel's rejection of the Messiah. And this is relevant for us today because the, the people of the world is, are pushing back and with the, with the things of the world, giving excuses. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the church are using the same excuses and pushing back in the same way. Uh, but God is making the same plea to you and I and through you and I to the world around us today. And we're going to pick it up in verse 16. Jesus replied, And a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Let me give you a little background of cultural uh, insight into this time period. Is that there was always two invitations to a, uh, a party, the first invitation is to just kind of know, uh, are you going to come so that they can prepare? Remember, they didn't have uh, caterers. They, if they were going to feed you, they would go to their flocks and butcher something and bring it. There wasn't any refrigeration. So the first one was to announce that they were going to have a party, and just that was verse 16, and verse 17 is the second invitation. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell all those who had been invited, come, everything is now ready. And now this was Jesus speaking to the Jewish nation, saying, hey, I, here I am, the Messiah, uh, your Messiah, I am here. Everything you've been waiting for, it's finally here. It's finally come. So come. In verse 18, 
What does it say in verse 18? Verse 18 says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I've got to go see it. So you got to excuse me. Verse 19, another said, oh, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Verse 20, still another said, hey, I just got married. I can't come. <laughs> so really, the guests insulted the host yeah, that's a in good this way parable, yeah. you know, just by making excuses when but, the second invitation came. It's like everything's all ready, and it's like, nah, I know you put, went through a lot of trouble for this, but I can't come. And really, in Israel's history, because Jesus is telling this parable to the Jews, God's first invitation for them came through Moses and the prophets. Mm -hmm. You are going to be my people. And then, you know, they basically accepted that invitation. <laughs> but the religious people of the day, when Jesus actually appeared as the Messiah in person in front of them, uh, they insulted God, mm -hmm. basically, is what this parable is saying, by saying, we don't believe you're the Messiah, and so we're not going to accept you. And so this, this verse 21 says, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, well, then go out quickly into the mm -hmm. streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, bring in the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Verse 23, then the master told his servant, well, then go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. So the point of this parable certainly says something to the Jewish people of Israel until, the, they come, until Jesus comes back and they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That day will come. But for now, there is a temporary blindness over the, the, the nation. And so in the, God's saying, the master in the story says, well, then go out into the everyday streets where you're yeah. going to find just common people. He, he names them as the lame, the blind, you know, the, the broken. And basically, he's saying, compel them to come. These are the Gentiles. These are you and me. This has been for 2,000 years. He's been compelling people. Yes. Come into my kingdom. Now's the time to come. Everything's been ready. The Messiah has come. He's born the sin of the world. He's risen from the dead. Resurrection life's available for you if you will come. Needy people. But it's needy people. You notice he says, right. go out to the crippled, the blind, the lame, and the poor. These are people who understand their need. Physically, yes, that, that is true. But also spiritually lame, crippled, blind, poor. And so since the Jews then rejected the Messiah, God sends his son to you and me. And so here we are today, still compelling people to come. Jesus is still saying there's a need for forgiveness of sin. There's a need for people to understand the life that I came to give them. Yes, Go right. and compel them to come. So here we are today saying the same message. So God, by his spirit, this is our assignment. He's given that to you and me. Compel the lost to come home to know me. Yes. And there are many, many people who will cross our paths. And God wants us to reach out to them with the love of God, with the truth of God. And we had some testimonies last week, and we want to have a couple, we have a couple more planned for this morning before we close the service. 
uh, th that often we see people come into the church, they sit down. You may not know unless you talk to them, fellowship, how did you end up here? How'd you get here? And very often it's through an invitation that somebody in the church gave to somebody. Mm -hmm. They came, they received Christ, and then even that invitation, what happened to them, they share the same invitation to another. So we just have a little chain of that, how that worked here in the church. We're going to begin with Amanda Ogle. She's, um, give her a little hand clap. And yeah, yeah. Her to come and... All right, so... Gosh, this was like eight years ago, <laughs> and I was a new mom, and it was a long winter, and so I would take my curly, blonde hair, little ball of energy to the mall <laughs> when Sears had the play area, and we would go, and I would let him run and get energy out and play, and... I was always like hoping there would be another mom because I needed that adult interaction. Um, and so here was Amanda Doyle sitting there, probably trying to get the same thing, <laughs> the energy out of her daughter who was very close in age of my Warren. And the two kids are getting along great and they're playing and her and I are just talking. Um, and the conversation was casual. It wasn't anything that stood out. You know, we were just talking about life and primarily about motherhood and the challenges of motherhood. And then I ran into her, in my conversations when I, when I was talking with her, I would just weave God into the conversation. It was natural. I, there wasn't this huge pressure of like, I have to share the gospel, the whole gospel. It was... <laughs> God has done something in my life. There is a story, and she has a story. She has a life that she's living, and God wants to be a part of that life. Yeah. He wants to be her life. And so, I honestly, it's been so long, I couldn't even tell you at that moment what was brought up and what was talked about. But what I can say is God began to build a friendship there. Because we say goodbye, and then we ran into each other again at the library. And then we ran into each other again at the mall. And then we kept running into each other, and we would have these little conversations that would continue to grow. God was drawing her to him, and he was using me. And now I want to say at this time, because I was a stay-at-home mom, and I didn't know any other stay-at-home moms, I was praying that God would send me a friend that also needed a friend. And I was also praying that I, I recognized my family was not living for Christ. I came to know Christ as a senior. And so I was always praying, like, God, let me, let me be the person that you can use in someone else's life to know you. Because I, just, I can't seem to be that for my own family. So let me be that for someone else, somebody else's loved one. And... God just orchestrated and answered those prayers because I needed a friend and she needed a friend. She was new to the area. And so we started setting up play dates or mom time to interact with another adult. Like it was wonderful. And we would have conversations, just natural conversations about hobbies and about marriage and family and what we liked. And, and in each of those conversations... God just was a part of it because God was a part of my life and not just a little part. Like God is everything. Yeah. And so he would just weave so naturally into the conversation. And I think sometimes 
we can feel like we don't have something to say about God because maybe we've walked with him for so long we forget everything he's done for us. Yeah. But isn't there a blessing in that in of itself of what he has kept you from? Mm-hmm. But I think if we take the time to truly praise God for who he is in our life, to recognize what he is doing, what he has done, to have that heart of gratitude, then when we're talking to somebody, it just flows because we're already overwhelmed with who Christ is in our life within our heart. And so it just flows. And it should flow naturally because we're living it outwardly. And just like Pastor Stephen Mamie were talking about, we even sung about the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is moving and would move on those conversations with Amanda. And it's funny because she will say, I just felt like everything that you talked about was God. But it's funny because I didn't. I didn't at all. I felt like I wasn't doing enough, <laughs> right? And, and I think the reason was is because when we are living in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh-huh. the Holy Spirit is working through us uh-huh. in more ways in the supernatural realm than yep. what we can realize. And so I might bring something up about who God is, what he's done for me, or where he can help her, or something like that. And I could bring that up, but then the Holy Spirit keeps going. Yeah. Way beyond anything that we do. The Holy Spirit keeps moving. And so he was softening her heart. He was beginning to open her eyes to begin to see that there was something else, to see that there was something greater. And I would keep inviting her to church. And I'm sure we've all been there where we've invited, and then they're like, oh, yeah, I'll come sometime." and they don't really have the intention to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we had a lot of those. (laughs) And even like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll come. And I'm thinking like, yeah, she's going to come, and then she doesn't come. (laughs) (laughs) And so then I started being like, well, how about we'll go out to lunch together? You know, we could go out to lunch together, or you can come to my house. And so we took that path. And there was a little more hope there, but it it didn't come to pass um, at first. And our friendship kept building, and the Holy Spirit kept working in her life. Um, And then the church was going to Living Treasures. And I was like, well, how about you come to Living Treasures? It'll be fun. There is something about being around other Christians, kind of like in a neutral zone, (laughs) so to speak, Mm -hmm. that just made it a little bit easier. Um, Her husband got to meet my husband, and... Little Warren was, like, so excited to introduce all the church kids to his new friend. <laughs> and that little kid was, like, running around introducing her to everywhere, to everybody. And then Maddie also wanted to come. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because now Maddie has met all the kids. And she wants to see these kids. And so they came to church. They came to church right after that. I don't remember if it was the first Sunday or the second. They gave their life to God. Yep. Yeah. And through that, God did amazing things in their life. And I really wish Amanda was here and they were not out of town so that they could share how much that God has done in their life. But ask them because he truly used an opportunity like that to reach their family. He was drawing them. I was just a tool. And I think many times we we forget that we are God's tool here on this earth. We truly are. And the Holy Spirit is already making a way. He is already moving. 
we just sometimes need to help that process. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit is moving in you and through you, and he is doing a work in people's lives. So if he stirs your heart, respond to that. Yes. Just respond to it. And, and think about where you would be if you weren't going to heaven. Where would you be? How would your life be different? Think about your loved one that's lost and think like this is someone else's loved one that doesn't know the Lord that's going to hell to spend eternity there because that helps me step outside of my comfort zone. That helps me to get a little bit more comfortable in being able to share my faith because I recognize Uh God loves this person far beyond anything that, that I could possibly care for my own even family member. He loves them more. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you to walk and respond. Holy Spirit's moving. Yes. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> so even though Amanda and Doyle, the Doyles uh, are out of town this weekend. I'm telling them where they are. I think they're at Kelly Island. They're at Creation Museum. Oh, Creation Museum. Or, yeah. So they're not busting out of church. They're going. <laughs> they're doing something spiritual, yeah. Um, but Michelle, come on up. Because uh, Amanda... After Amanda got saved, then she, be, she met Michelle, lives in Slippery Rock, and um, so Michelle just wants to continue on how this connection went after Amanda Doyle began to share her faith with, with you. I met Amanda Doyle. I'm from Slippery Rock, and so is she. So I met Amanda Doyle um, in... Come in silent. No, I'm sorry, right okay. here, just because of uh, our camera. Oh, okay. <laughs> when, when Abby and Maddie were in pre-K, uh, yeah, preschool. So they were both three-year-olds. So that's when I met Amanda for the first time. Um, she was kind. And every once in a while, she mentioned God. And then she'd invite me to church. I'm like, well, Ma, I already go to a church. I'm Lutheran. And then I'd complain about how perhaps poorly behaved Abby was at church. And she's like, you know, we have, in our church, the kids just go to another room. And they learn about God. But, you know, so you can be all by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so essentially, you know, to make a long story short, that was a selling point, total selling point. <laughs> um, especially after Tyler came. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, but at first I'm like, I can't. Somebody from my church gave us two blankets for Christmas. So, you know, <laughs> so that was my excuse. I used excuses after excuses. Mm. So preschool started uh, in August. The first time I went to church was, it's a community life church, was, I'm going to say, I think I narrowed it down to May. So she worked on me, you know, really hard. So it was May that I went to service uh, for the first time. And then the pic, there was like a picnic like two or three weeks later, um, a community life church picnic two to three weeks later. So that was overwhelming, but everyone was kind, nice, you know. Um, so over the last few years, um, uh, I don't know, um, I feel like I grew as a Christian, I kind of went straight, went down, up, down, up, down. I'm not perfect. Amen. You know, I, I feel like at this point, I'm still a little more sinner than saint, you know, across the board, you know, <laughs> but I'm a work in progress. But the one thing I got to tell you um, Um, a few medical issues, you know, the breast cancer. I went over two years without having a mammogram, and all I had was grade zero breast cancer. 
grade zero. Best type of cancer to have, right? Am I blessed or what? Yeah. <laughs> and then also, um, after COVID, uh, 11 days later, I had like an unusual symptom, a numbness on my face. Uh, called the doctor, blah, blah, blah. I get an MRI. I have an, like, incidentally, they found an aneurysm. And it was in the worst place to have it, and it was a large one. Um, and it was an incidental find. I had the surgery. How lucky am I? How blessed am I? You know, and I remember thinking, <laughs> I remember thinking like three weeks ago, I'm like, I am so blessed to have this family praying for me and loving me. And I'm so grateful to God because I couldn't have made it through those two things without them, without you guys, without Jesus. Yeah. Um, also, just Friday, um, I'm not perfect. I'm definitely not a perfect mother. But um, I asked my little son, Tyler, I'm like, hey, how's that new boy sitting beside your best friend? How's he, how's he doing? You know, I'm worried about him. And he's like, mom, he doesn't have the love of Christ in his heart. So for my little second grader to recognize that <laughs> yeah. and for us to be able to pray for that boy, yes. you know, I, I'm um, very grateful to Community Life Church and to God. I mean, it's, yeah, it's God. Awesome. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Gosh. Well, praise God. Well, Every sheep me. needs a... And they never yeah. underestimate the power of an invitation and the power of your prayers mm -hmm. and the power of just your concern to see people around you with, with eyes that Jesus sees them with. And like Amanda was saying, that the Holy Spirit will begin to make a way if we yield our heart to his heart. And so I know it it's, can be difficult sometimes because we just get stuck in our own mindset. We're thinking about our life and the busyness of life. But like Pastor C was saying, 100 years from now, we're going to realize what was the most important thing yeah. about my purpose in this life. This is one of our main purposes in this life is to share the love of God, to not just come to him ourselves, and then it's kind of this us for and no more. No, we're supposed to go and make him known to people. And so start looking around, just bow your heads, just think for a moment, start looking around at your personal, it's your personal mission field, right around wherever your feet go. God, who you, have you put in my life, you know, for me to tell about Jesus? And then when you begin to have these conversations with people, you can pray these little silent prayers just inside of your heart as you're talking to them. Help me understand, Lord, what's keeping this person from knowing you. Yeah. And allow the Holy Spirit. These are supernatural moments, but they're just, they can come very naturally, a thought. Say this to them. Ask them about this. Then just do whatever. Take that little simplest step. And just know that you're pleasing God by help, taking a step to help somebody come closer to Jesus. Hallelujah. We need to just ask the Lord, shift me from just me-centered thinking to other-centered thinking. Help me to have eyes to see the world and care about the world with compassion the way you see them, Lord. So you know, you might be here and you might be just like the... Those people who are invited to the banquet, and you're making all sorts of excuses. 
I have to do this, I have to do that, well, I got to do this. Again, don't put it off. Don't put it off is right. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. You're not promised tomorrow. There's a thing in the story of the papers there. There's a, one of the members of the Steelers, 24 years old, yeah. died yesterday. 24 years old. I mean, this is our decisions today affect tomorrow. Our decisions today affect eternity. In some cases, eternity. So if you're making excuses, pull the dump lever on it. Jesus is offering you his love. He's offering you eternal life. He's offering you the forgiveness of your sins. Just like Michelle says, this place, we're not perfect people in here. But we're on a journey. We're not doing the things we used to do years ago. It's because progress is being made and Jesus is forming himself within us. And this is good news. Don't be ashamed of the gospel wherever you might be. Speak it out. Good things will happen. Understand the Holy Spirit will work through you to secure somebody's eternity. And if you'd like to give your life to Christ before we close, we do want to make this invitation. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, he's saying, come. Yes. Come to the Father. Jesus made a way for you to have eternal life. And so if that's you, you're in here, you're at the sound of my voice, you know that if you die today, you question, I don't know even if I'd go to heaven. It's not based on your goodness. It's based on his goodness. Yes. He did the perfect score, and he says, I give you that. I give you forgiveness if we will repent of our sin and believe in the work that he's done for us. So if that's you, you're in here today, and you think, I've never done that, but I want to today. Just, you could, by faith, just raise your hand to God and say, I want eternal life. I want salvation. Is there anybody in here today? Okay. All right. Praise God.